stays at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Yeah, I was feeling that one, Alex. And today has been an absolute exciting day. We had a lot of announcements to be made. Yeah, I was going to say something happened or something. Yeah, we, we got out there about the draft party. That that's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Round two of the of the draft, we're going to be going live. We're going to have a live stream out at Back Alley Brewery in Gall, California. That's right. Already, the outpouring of people coming is is fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, this, today's been a great day. And we get to continue that because we're going to be talking about Interior offensive line, which for most 49er fans, they believe is a real need. Super need. Um, Kyle Shannon had some comments about that, that Aaron Banks, the reason they drafted him in the second round is in case Lakin Tomlinson left. So that should get everyone's eyebrows raised. Uh, but we got some other guys to talk about as well, because there's some good talent in this draft that can play interior offensive line for the 49ers. Uh, lots. There's a lot of talented guys and a lot of guys that we want to talk about. And and look, look, there's, there's guys that we like that maybe necessarily aren't going to fit in the scheme. So we're going to try and not talk about those guys as much as possible and Focus in on the, the 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 guys that make the most sense and potentially the guys that are versatile and can do a, a whole bunch of different things and play a lot of different positions because, uh, as we've seen from the San Francisco 49ers, they tend to draft those type of players. They really do like those kind of players, and there's a couple of names to, to keep an eye on in this draft, and we hope you're excited, Cutback Crew. Uh, I know I'm excited, and it's been a, a fun-filled day, and now it's about to get even more fun, f- funner. Is that, a, is that even a word? I don't even know if funner is a word, but at this point, I don't care, Ant, because I'm excited. I'm excited to talk with the cutback crew. I'm excited to talk about interior offensive linemen. Let's do this thing. Oh, yeah, and, and Bomber says, hey, Ant, now let's all see you guys at the draft party. I'm down the street in Wilton. Yeah, we know Wilton pretty well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so the beer shall flow. I love it, Bomber. Uh, Bomber is, like, close, close. He's so close, yeah, close. There, yeah. there you go. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Baymax, the biggest need could be... For sure, and Alex, this is going to be fun. So we're going to we're going to change the format a little with everyone in the TCC. We're going to talk about a player, then you are you guys are going to let us know what you think, ask questions, and we'll get into them. And that's how we'll break it down for this episode. That's uh, that's what we're going to do, Ant. And let's start right. Let's start with the actual gentleman. And, and Ernest is asking. Galt is a suburb of Sacramento, right? Yes. Yes. Pretty yeah. close. It's like what about? 15, it's just on the other minutes? side of Elk Grove yeah. from Sacramento. So yeah. If, if you're coming from Sacramento, at, at most, it will take you 30 minutes, at most. And that's if there's heavy amounts of traffic. Yeah, you should be able to get there at a, a pretty decent time. So Absolutely. Uh, so, Ant, let's start, uh, let's start with guys that would be considered more guard prospects. Um, as much as I love Zion Johnson at Boston College, let's not start there, just because I don't think there's any way he's getting to the San Francisco 49ers yeah. at 61. Um, feels like he's going in the first round of most mock drafts. Henning Green at Texas A&M, same sort of thing there, similar sort of thing. So let's start with the prospect out of UCLA. Sean, is it Ryan? Is it Ryan? Is that how it's pronounced? I'm just going to say Ryan. Or Ryan? I, I, I don't know for sure. I'm not sure either. Uh, the one thing I do know is that the dude looked like a beast on film. Um, I was excited about his potential and what he could do. Uh, played predominantly tackle in college, but he's somebody I could see moving inside, and that's why you know he's on this interior offensive line list. Sometimes the 49ers will value a guy that plays tackle and then kick them inside. He would be a high-level guy. Uh, he's got heavy hands. He plays pretty low. He's able to move people off their spot against their will. Uh, those were things that I like. So that means he can fit in the run game, and you're looking for run scheme fits. And I think that this guy does fit the scheme. He's got athleticism. He could he could play in the in the 49ers gap scheme as well. He can pull and get on the move. 
and playing in that style of offense for Chip Kelly, um, you know he can handle what the 49ers are going to be doing. So I liked him as a scheme fit. I liked his ability overall. I liked his hands. And I think he would be a, a nice addition, especially if you're sliding him in and having him play guard. Correct, because he doesn't necessarily fit the the length that you're looking for in tackle prospects and things like that. Now, he's 6'5", he's big, but the, the wingspan isn't the biggest thing in the world for this gentleman. But what I do like is the lateral quickness, and you, and you mentioned that a little bit, And This guy does move laterally pretty well. He is athletic. Yeah. He can get around in space. Um, and he's pretty solid as a run-blocking option already. Things that I've seen from him, like you talked about him being able to move guys, um, he does that. He does that very, very well. I'm excited about the possibilities of if this guy is moved, it does actually, in fact, move into the interior. And most places are mocking him that way. So you have to imagine that he's thinking about it and at least prepping and planning for this thing. Um, and that's not a, a bad a bad thing there, a bad scenario. A guy who doesn't necessarily fit the bill in terms of maybe being an ideal prototypical tackle playing guard. But here's the thing for the 49ers. If that's your plan, then you also know in a pinch you have a guy that has played on the outside and knows the techniques and the things that needs to be done in order to play left tackle. At a, at a high level or right tackle at a high level. Yeah, this is one of those things you saw with Colton McKivitz, right? Correct. When the 49ers went after Colton McKivitz, it was a guy that had tackle experience, but they knew they could bounce inside. This is something they do consistently. They they draft guys with this sort of makeup and then move them inside. That's why Aaron Banks was a little bit of an outlier from what they normally do. They drafted a guy that was position-specific on the offensive line. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if, if this is a way that they roll. But if this guy was available, and I've seen some questions coming out, you know, when do we think the 49ers go offensive line? It depends on if one of these great players are, are you know, fall to the 49ers at 61. I think they would have to consider going interior offensive line, even though from Kyle Shanahan's current comments about Aaron Banks and the fact that Daniel Brunskill has been tendered a deal, you would think that that would be kind of where they're rolling with the 49ers interior starting offensive line. They're looking but for the, competition. Right, some competition possibly. And there are players that we're going to talk about um, that are not only competition, that are maybe centers that can play guard or tackles that can move in to play guard. Um, so I think we're going to have a nice list to go through. But I'm, I'm curious what the TCC thinks, you know, about um, Sean Ryan. Okay. Well, I mean, look, there, there's that at the end of the day. Uh, we're, I'm going to uh... – Sean Ryan is one of those ones that I watched some film on Ant but wasn't sure if he'd be there, wasn't sure if he'd be available. So I want to hear from the cutback crew what they feel about Sean Ryan. So make sure you're leaving that in the chat right now before we move on to the next gentleman and talk about the next person there in space. But I think Sean Ryan is if Sean Ryan, Ryan, however you want to pronounce it. I apologize, sir, for butchering the name uh, <laughs> repeatedly on stream. My my bad. Um, I, I just do, I like a lot of the things that you see out of him. And I do think, well, this isn't necessarily like a guy that is going to come in immediately and be a, a bona fide, like just, you know, for sure he's going to start. I think he raises the level of competition in the room. I think it lights a fire underneath a guy like Daniel Brunskill and at least puts us in a position where Daniel Brunskill could be the sixth offensive lineman, which I think is something the Niners need to seriously be considering trying to upgrade the position to make sure that that is the case. Oh, I think they'd love that. I think that's the ideal situation. Now, there's no guarantee a guy like this comes in and solidifies it, but it does make it more plausible now that you're going to have an actual battle in training camp. Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, Sacktown says, I believe in Aaron Banks out of of no problem getting some more O-line. Yeah, exactly. Um, You want to continue to build. And one of the ways they could actually build this is instead of going just with an offensive tackle or offensive guard, they could actually go with someone like Alec Lindstrom, um, who plays center at Boston College. He could maybe come in and play guard, be an understudy as well to Alex Mack, learn the the tricks of the trade, and then be able to transition into playing starting center when Alex Mack decides to retire. Correct. So he is a he's a potential player as well that the 49ers might target. There's another guy we're going to talk about later out of Arizona State that could potentially do the same sort of thing. 
So Alex, is Alec Lindstrom somebody that you really liked? Um, before I get into it, I want to I hear what you had to say about it. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. He's, he's a scheme fit. Talk about a guy who's a legitimate scheme fit guy. This is, this is what you know he did over at BC. Um, and he played at a very high level and started, what, three years, I believe, there at the, at the center spot. And this is a guy who anchored down their offensive line for the past few seasons. An offensive line, Ant, which strength was in a surprising twist of event, the run game, not the quarterback play and, and the receiving aspect, but the run game. Yeah. Um, there is one thing I, I, I am a little worried about with Lindstrom, and that's at times it feels like and seems like he plays a little bit high. But Ant, at the end of the day, that, that might have to do something with the 6-3 frame at the center position. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Being 6'3 as a center, it might might be a reason for it, but I do love hand placement. He's also pretty strong, too. I mean, he, he his snap and single-arm punch off that snap is, is fantastic. I like a lot of the things he does, and I think he has a lot of high upside. Um, And this is a thing, too, with him. It's developmental, so you can bring him in, have him kind of sit behind Alex Mack as well, learn the tricks of the trade. He's already a highly intelligent guy. Um, This is a guy who understands schemes already and made a lot of calls at BC. So he's going to be able to pick up the system, pick up the terminology. And if Alec Max decides after this next season, hey, see you later, I'm out of here. Lindstrom can slide right in with a year under his belt, learning from a Pro Bowl level, cal- a Pro Bowl caliber player and a guy who has been one of the better centers in the league in Alex Mack. Yeah, and he was asked at the combine. In fact, it was by, uh, it was either uh, Jordan was he- Elliott or uh, I think it was Jason Jordan- I think it was Elliott. One of them asked him, you know, about his, you know, interaction with the 49ers. And he said he, he would love to play for San Francisco that, it fits his skill set, and his this scheme really fits what he wants to do, and he's not wrong. He would fit very nice in San Francisco's system, and I believe Kyle Shannon likes to have veteran players that play the position for him, so getting someone in early before Alex Mack was to retire means you could develop this guy and you know possibly get a center that could be a, you know, a, a linchpin in your offense for a long time. So this is a great move for them, and you're right. He does play at times a little high, but I have less concerns about that because I believe that Chris Forster could get him lower. Agreed, I think he man. can play at a you know at a lower level, but I liked some of the grit and some of the aggression, the way he was able to get off blocks and get to the second level. So yeah, this is a guy I would definitely be interested in for the 49ers. And pick 61 is not out of the question. He could possibly fold the 61. And I think if he was sitting there, the 49ers would definitely be tempted, depending on what receivers and what edge rushers are there. But I think this is the first time you could be like, oh, and, and maybe this player is like, oh, 49ers might want to think about getting that guy. Agreed. Um, yeah. and, and listen, he, he's a zone-blocking guy who showed ability to get up to second level and does a great job with hip mobility as well, getting around and kind of stealing off and shielding off lanes for running backs. Um, the scheme the scheme is it's almost too good to be true, um, and he's sitting there as a, usually in the top 100 for, for prospects, which means if, if you're the 49ers, if you're sitting there at 61, you're getting a guy who's going to be you know one of the better guys that you can get and, and more pro-ready players that you can potentially draft that you have less questions about uh, Lindstrom makes sense. If the Niners feel like making sure they have a guy who can solidify the O-line going forward after this year and they're worried about potential options in next year's draft, you can just write off all worries, drafting a guy like this who you know is going to sit and develop, fits the scheme already, intelligent, wants to be in San Francisco. All those things are pluses, Ant. Yeah, definitely. We have an absolutely great question from Android user. Is a hand placement more of a pass pro skill? No, hand placement is important for both run game and pass game. You need to get your hands inside on that, you know, chest plate of the defensive lineman. You want to get into this interior region here where you can gain control. It's all about getting there first. Defensive linemen are trained to protect their chest plate. And offensive linemen are taught to protect their chest plate first as well. The first person that gets there is usually going to be the one that is able to, to handle business. Now, 
over time, leverage has kind of changed, you know, the way that people thought about leverage. You see it all the time with Trent Williams grabbing a player, you know, that goes too low and throwing them down to the ground um, with different moves. But I do believe that it, hand placement is very important in the run game. It's going to help you get established control of that defensive player, able to maneuver that player uh, around as you turn your hips and get this guy moving. So hand placement, the winner to the chest plate is usually the one that wins the overall block. And that's why you see these guys with heavy hands that are thunderous and throwing their punches um, are the ones that usually get the, the ball moving. That initial impact is so important. And it's not just about the hands, but about the hips. As they thrust forward, they put you put your hands into them, and you, that's when you get the movement. You can get a defender on his heels a little bit. You win. Yeah, you, you do. Um, hand placement is the key. Um, getting, getting your hands in the right spot prevents the defense as well from getting an establishing control and moving you how they want to move you and being able to twist and turn and pull you the way they want, want you to be pulled. And a guy like Lindstrom has also shown not just yeah. good hand placement, and uh, but good good balance as well. Meaning when he doesn't necessarily get his hands in the right spot or doesn't get that first fire off punch and hit and control, guys don't overpower him all of the time. Now, when he gets high, yes. But the getting high issue is not a every snap issue. It's an occasional issue. And it's typically for him in run blocking situations. It's not in pass pro when I was watching film. So this is not an issue with this guy. Like you worried about him getting too high and getting moved around in space and getting driven back. Um, he anchors down pretty well. I'm very excited about the possibility of, of an Alec Lindstrom. And I hope the, the cutback crew is too. And there was a couple other ones here too. I saw Sacktown Izzy said, yes, if we get a center now, then we can watch and st he can watch and studies how Mac runs the position close up and be a solid starter when the time comes. Um, yeah, I mean, the nine, it seems like the Niners did that with their first round and second round guys last year, right? Trey Lance, you drafted him to sit a year behind a guy who runs your system and executes well. Uh, Aaron Banks, sit a year behind a guy who runs and operates your system well and tested him at right guard just to see. And now that he's, you know, it didn't work out that last season. Yeah. Brunskill ended up being your guy. Now that Lincoln's moved on, he can slide him back into his natural position at left guard. And guess what? He still has an understanding of the system developed and you feel confident about where he could be going forward. And that's a, I mean, I don't know about you, Ant, but I view that as a positive. I don't view that as a negative per se. Oh, no. It's always a positive when you have the opportunity to step in, you know, and learn from a player that already understands because he's going to teach you the ins and outs of the position. You're not learning on the fly. That is always good for development, but it's not always the case. Sometimes you have to have guys that step in because of their best option. And they gave it a run with Aaron Banks last year to see if he would be a better option than Daniel Brunskill. And he wasn't ready and up for the task. Similar situation with Trey Lance. He just wasn't ready yet. Um, but they're now they're going to turn to these young guys and expect them to step up. And I think they're going to do it. But along the way, you have to continue to build this offensive line because, yeah, you can be happy with who's there. Um, but anytime you have an opportunity to add a player to your roster that could potentially be better than the even the depth players, you have to go do it. So I think that's why the offensive line and interior offensive line needs to be a position that 49ers focus on. Uh, I think they will. I think they'll address it at some point. And that's why a lot of these guys are great options. Just Lindstrom is, is a really good option, potentially in that 61 area. Um, I know it's not as sexy as, you know, Christian Watson or or even, you know, Boy Mafia or one of these edge rushers that would be available, but it could be just what the doctor ordered. That's uh, true. And Baymac wants to know who would be the better offensive lineman between the two of us. Seeing as I didn't play O-line, it's going to go to Ant, but Ant can attest. Uh, I was a very well-versed individual at wide receiver who stepped in in screen games and ran screen game stuff with the O-line at times. So I know my stuff on the O-line, but if you're asking who's the better O-lineman, it's, it's not even a type of contest. No, and especially because I went to a ton of clinics throughout my days, Yes, not only as a player, but then eventually as a coach as well. Offensive line was my forte, so I do understand offensive line play pretty well. Um, and I've met a lot of great coaches along the way.
I mean, a lot of really good ones. So, uh, yeah, there's offensive line. I think I would be a little bit better than Alex at offensive line. Just a little bit. I'm going to give you more than a little bit. You're, yeah. you're being humble right now. I'm, I'm, I appreciate it. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to say a lot more than a little uh, bit. You'd be a lot better than me at receiver. That's for sure. Fair. I mean, there, there's that. I mean, not as not as well as back in my actual playing days, but yeah. I'll, I'll give myself a little there bit of leeway there. <laughs> and uh, Jagged asked, too, now that Arden Key signed with the Jags, it's more important to get an edge at 61 or maybe safety. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, but I think if the right guy is there at 61, it could be this. It could be interior O-line and... You have to you have to consider that we have to we have to look at all those options. Um, and I just saw someone Ken Martin just said Donovan West, center from Arizona State. So why don't we just let's go do there? That. Yeah, because let's do it. this is a guy that we both really really like. This is a guy we enjoy. This is a guy that is flexible. Yeah. Um, can play guard, can play center. He's versatile. And and we know the San Francisco 49ers love themselves some versatile offensive linemen who can do a handful of different things. This guy does that on top of the fact and that I've in the screen game he's fantastic. Run game, he's fantastic. Pass pro sets anchors down pretty well. I think pass pro, would you agree that pass pro, or what do you think about his pass pro? Do you think that's the biggest part of his game that he needs to work on? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I, okay. I think I think he's a really good run blocker that needs to develop in the in the pass game. So he, he makes perfect sense for the 49ers. That's like literally what they draft. What? Um, guys who are really good in the run game <laughs> that need to develop in the pass, and then they expect Chris Forster to develop them. But I do like Donovan West. And actually, the one that kind of turned me on to watching any of his film was Brad Graham of the SF Niners. He was all over this. I'm going to give him complete credit. Um, and then when I watched the film, I was like, okay, yeah, I like this guy. I do like the grit. I like how he gets after it. I think he plays a little bit higher than Lindstrom. I think Lindstrom overall is a better talent. But I, I like the things that West does. But really what I like is where you could possibly draft him. So you know you're going to have one year for him to develop potentially you know, under Alex Mack. You could draft this guy in the fourth or fifth round, potentially, and then institute him in. And that's where the 49ers like to draft their interior offensive linemen, you know, Q, Colton, McKivitz, and, and other players. Um, so you could put him in there, and he could handle it. Now, he can handle the zone scheme. He fits the scheme of what the 49ers want to do. He's pretty good at getting to the second level. He's able to, you know, do uh, help blocking in pass game. So I think that there's some positives there. I think his hands could get a little bit better. Sometimes his placement's a little off. And I think at times he seems to be a little unbalanced when he's when he's you know in movement, he can get moved off his spot and unbalanced. Those are things that can be worked on, and that's why he's not a first round talent. He's a, a you know fourth or fifth round talent because he's got areas where he can improve. But in the Kyle Shanahan system, uh, they can definitely mask some of those things. So being a good run blocker will will put him out there and, and make him a possibility for the 49ers in the fourth or fifth. Uh, I, I like that a lot. It's a good spot for him there. I've seen him go as low as the six. I've seen him go as high as the three. Uh, you find the middle between there, and it's right there in is that, the fourth is, and the fifth. What happened? Bruce Arians is retiring. Holy crap, Megan. Is that for real? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Breaking while we're on the show. Uh, Bruce Arians retiring. What does that mean for the Bucks and Brady? Hello, Sean Payton. Welcome to Tampa Bay. I wonder, dude. <laughs> I wonder. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Now, now we know why Tom Brady's back. Now we know why Tom Brady's Tom back. Tom Brady won. Wow. There you go. Well, anyways. Well, I, he, lo he lost to Bill Belichick, but he beat Bruce Arians. Yeah, let, we'll get back on the offensive line. Let's get back to the old line. That's just a crazy, yeah. just crazy breaking news, my guy. Holy cow. Uh, but as for uh, as for Donovan West, getting back to that gentleman, uh, I just like a lot of the stuff that he does. He does anchor down pretty well. Um, he's got some functional strength. He's a six, four guy He's six, four, he's 300 pounds. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what he could potentially bring to the table and what he can do. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he falls and where he goes, but I think that fourth, fifth round is a safe place for him. And Ken Martin, thank you so much for, uh, for bringing that up because now we got to talk about a guy that we both really, really enjoy. Ant. yeah, we do. There's a couple guys from Arizona state, you know, that are really good. And Donovan West is one of those guys. So 
I was very excited to talk about him because uh, he's he's one of those guys that definitely stands out as potential for the 49ers. And I think he's going to be available at some of the spots in which they pick. Um, so anywhere in that that fourth to fifth round range, and especially the 172, uh, I'd be interested in that. True. And Mark Graves just asked, do they draft the best football player regardless of position at 61? They might. They very yeah, well could. And I, I think, you know, minus a couple of positions. I don't think they're going to draft the quarterback, for instance, at 61. Correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have enough areas of... Uh, where you can improve or at least improve depth that you take the best available player. And that's really how you help your, your depth. Uh, you don't draft need and they've been going through and trying to fill need just like on defensive line. They don't really have a need per se. Um, just, they have, you know, they can add, they can, they can add addition play, you know, additional players. So it's like with linebacker, there's no real need uh, safety, maybe possibly, but um, I, I think other than that, they're, they're pretty much doing a good job. Nickel corner still a need, I think. Uh, still, I would agree yeah. with you there. I, I would agree with you. Nickel corner still in need. Um, let's talk about a guy that we both both really like. And a- actually, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, you have written down next to Dylan Parham, love. Yes, correct? I do. I'm I'm not mistaken by love, correct? So let the cutback crew know what it's all it's, caps too. Okay, so it's all capital. <laughs> so it's not just like kind of love. This is actual genuine love right here, unconditional love potentially from Ant on Dylan Parham out of Memphis. What what is it about him? Because I love him too, but what is it about him specifically for you that you like him so much? I love his aggressive style. I mean, he gets after it. His first oh, step yeah. is fantastic. He gets off the ball, especially in the run game. And then when he gets his hands on you, uh, he he wins more times than he loses. He gets he gets it done. And I think that he moves people against their will. I like that aggressiveness. I like how low he plays. To me, he's one of those guys that consistently plays low. Where Donovan West played high and a little tall and can get off balance, um, that's not something that happens for Parham. He gets after it. Um, so I really, really like him a lot. And I think that he would fit nice at, as a guard in the 49er system. I think he'd come in day one and compete with some of these guys. Agreed. I, I think that these guys, um, you know, would, would have their work cut out to beat him out because I think he's that good of a player. Why he's not valued as much as some of the other guys, I'm not sure yet because he would be one of those guys that I would put a third-round grade on. And I think he's going to go even lower than that, which makes him potentially a, a nice target for the 49ers. But, yeah, I like him. I think he can pr- improve a little bit in the pass game. I think that is his weakness. But in the run game area, there you go. And so really good at run, a little bit weaker in the pass. Sounds very 49ers. Sounds extremely 49ers. And yeah. this was a guy who was a linebacker and a tight end in high school. Ooh. So this guy was an athlete. Jag just came through with one. We'll, we'll, we'll be getting to that. We'll get to him. We're going to get to Gadecki. We're going to get to Gadecki. We promise. Promise we'll get to Gadecki. Um, but this is a guy who played linebacker tight end in high school in Dylan Parham. And this is a guy who's an athlete. He is an athlete. He is just an athlete who has familiarity with blocking and block shedding techniques. So he understands hand placement where he needs to be. And it shows. It shows on his film. And you talked about the low pad level, man. He plays with such great leverage. He really does. I like a lot of the things that he does. Yes, pass pro is the area he needs to work on. I get it, 49ers fans. We got to be able to t- protect Trey Lance when he's passing. But the Niners want to be able to run the football. And when you got, got a guy who plays with this kind of motor, this kind of nasty streak, who, who blocks the way that he blocks, you know, goes hard and gets off the ball the way that this guy does, it just makes sense. And you're right. People don't value him. I've seen him as low as six. And I've seen a couple of sites that have ranked him as high as second. Second round talent. And people are hot or cold on this man. There is no in-between. And if you're the 49ers and he lands in the in-between, you are licking your chops at the potentials here because you could be getting a guy who could come in and start year one if everything goes exactly the way you want it to go. Right, I think that's crazy. Like, I'm I'm higher on him than I was on Aaron Banks last year, and Banks could potentially be the starter, but that's the kind of talent that he is. And, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about the potential of adding this guy to the roster, and I think a lot of NFL teams, though, are going to be hot and heavy on him 
So maybe his value is going to move up as we get closer to the draft. We'll see, but he's definitely someone I'm excited about. Jaylee just said, thinking he's climbing into the second. So he is seeing a lot of people, a lot yeah. of people that are starting to value him a little bit more. People are starting to realize who he is. I'm just hoping not enough people realize who he is. I would be willing. I like him so much. I'd be willing to take him at 61. I would I, take him at 61. I, I want him at 93, but I'll take him at 61. True. And Andrew Dutra just asked, would O-line at 61 be someone who would start over Banks and McKivitz more? Uh, shouldn't have those three developed more and presumably be able to start in 2022? Yeah, I think so. I, I think every one of those guys are going to develop, but you don't know what the development is of some of these players and how they fit in the scheme. And sometimes they can come in there and just supplant someone. Colton McKivitz was thought to potentially be a starter this last year. It's true. Um, they figured one year of development. He wasn't even on the active roster to start the season. He started on the practice squad. You can get past in an instant, and that's why you continually try to upgrade your football team. So I think he would come in and compete right away. And I think Banks has the inside shot on being the left guard. But the right guard spot is going to be Daniel Brunskill in a competition. Because ultimately, if somebody beats out Daniel Brunskill, that's the best thing for the 49ers. That means he's the swing tackle. And he's actually a swing everything because he can play every position. And that's when your team is really good. Absolutely. And Daniel Harley just said he's going to be at the draft party. Ooh, yeah. So that's going to be exciting. We're going to get some non-49ers fans coming to the 49ers Cupback draft party. I, I love it. I absolutely love that. And I'm excited about that. Uh, my question from Donald Johnson is how many centers drafted in the later rounds have been beasts? Because I'm thinking it might be more important to go center. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't, might not be more important to go center that early than to go D end. Um, th this is not a deep center draft in terms of like actual guys who are legit you know, label of center. There's more guys who are hybrid guys who are going to be better fits. who are going to go earlier. Um, so the Niners could address, uh, go after a guy who's specifically a center, or they could go after one of these guys who could fill in in a bunch of different roles, um, you know, third, fourth round, somewhere in there, or even fifth round, potentially. Yeah, I mean, last year there was some really good centers. I mean, really, really good centers available where the 49ers were going to pick at 43, uh, and they, they traded back and then didn't get any of them, and it landed on Aaron Banks. So I think that sometimes I do question whether Kyle Shanahan wants to go center uh, with a with a draft pick, or if he wants to go with a veteran player, if he wants to continue the veteran role, they'll they'll just look to sign somebody in free agency after Alex Mack retires, and they will go with a different position. And so far, the brand for the 49ers has been draft offensive tackle um, and guys that can play inside or outside, and that's what they've been doing. So they may continue that. I think Aaron Banks was the first time that they really showed that they're willing to do something else other than draft a tackle and move him inside. Uh, yeah, it, it does. It does feel like that, and it really does. Uh, let's go on and, and move on to uh, another gentleman, uh, another gentleman that we like a lot, familiar with, uh, out of Chattanooga, Mr. Cole Strange, a guy who, again, versatile product and versatile gentleman who can play a lot of potentially different roles in the offense. Um, Daniel Harley just said Treader is still out there. You're not wrong, but the yeah. Niners don't have the cap space, which means you may have to be going after draft guys and potentials. Um, and this is one that's a very intriguing one, a little bit more of, I'm not going to say hot or cold prospect because I don't think people are hot or cold on him. I think people either love him or they hate him. And part of it has been what feels like in past pro sets at times inconsistencies. But you know what you don't have to worry about with this guy? It's run blocking again. And this guy is absolutely phenomenal. And the scary part is there are times in past pro sets where he just absolutely dominates. So the potential is there for this guy to be not just a, a good starting football player, a good starting guard or offensive lineman in this league, but to be a potential star. Yeah, he's he's like up and down, up and down. I mean, I, there's like great plays, and then there's a couple there like, wow, he can't anchor. Uh, I, I like his athletic ability. That's why I think he fits the scheme because he's really able to move. He's one of those guys that moves quickly. He'll be able to pull. So you don't have to worry about him running your zone scheme or running you know the gap plays as well. He's able to handle all that. He has pretty good hand placement, 
Um, he's able to anchor down at times, but if he loses the initial contact, he will not be able to anchor down and stop an interior defensive lineman right now. I think that's something he's going to continue to have to work on, but I do like him. And I think the area that he's going to go, he's a solid NFL prospect. Um, so I think anywhere in that, that fourth round range, I think is a nice target um, for Cole Strange. And if, if he did land there, I think the 49ers would be interested in the, the 130 area. Um, picking him up and adding him to the, the competition on the inside is, is a good move for the Niners. That's not a bad move. Uh, yeah. It's not a bad move. How does the cutback crew feel about Cole Strange? I saw a couple people talking about, I like Strange from Ken Martin. Mm-hmm. A couple people very excited about that. Um, I, I hope you are. I really hope that you're excited about a guy like Cole Strange because the versatility that he has, um, the strengths that he already possesses for this team, um, it's just going to add and breed competition in this room, which you know we talked about. We didn't know if there were going to be any more signings because they've drafted a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys coming back from injuries. You're hoping to see more development out of Colton McKivitz. So it felt like, Drafting was the route. And, you know, some people go, okay, well, that means then, right? If drafting is the route, that means the Niners are going to draft late for guys who need to develop. Well, maybe. Or maybe the Niners are sitting there going, some of these guys haven't developed. It's time to figure out if they need to be here long term or if there's someone better out there for this team. And they go a little bit earlier. Maybe they go second. Maybe they go third. Maybe they go fourth and go, you know what? We're going to make sure we show this thing, this bad boy up right now. Some of you that we that are known by the fan base and some people really like and enjoy, you may not be here because we're ramping up the level of competition. Yeah. And since Kyle Shannon came out and said that they drafted, you know, just in case somebody like Lincoln Thomason left, you got to think they could potentially be doing the same thing, right? They're going to have um, Mike McGlinchey as well in the, his fifth year option. Daniel Brunskill was a restricted free agent now. And in fact, he hasn't signed his offer sheet yet, but both those guys could potentially be gone as un, you know, unrestricted free agents next year. So you would need to have eventual replacements. Jalen Moore could easily be the right tackle in that position, but then you would also need a right guard. So they're, they are, they are going to have to address this. They can address it this year and have that player develop and feel more confident with that guy already understanding Kyle Shanahan's scheme, or they could try to go with a low budget free agent next year. I think it, that's why interior offensive lineman has been one of the, the topics that we want to talk about in positions, because it feels like this is a year where the 49ers could take that chance and draft one of these guys that could potentially slide in there and take over for Daniel Brunskill or Jay, you know, or in Jalen Moore's place if he kicks out the tackle, if he ends up being the starter. Because I do think they need to improve the depth you know, on this team. Because even though I, I like Colton McKivitz at tackle at times, I do struggle with him playing interior at the guard spot. For some reason, it just hasn't translated so far. No, it, it hasn't yet. It hasn't yeah. quite yet at this moment, Ant. Um, let's move on to a couple of other names and let's go after, let's go after another guy who is kind of a, a versatile dude who's played a lot of different roles and a lot of different hats and mostly played tackle, played some guard as well, Ant, but has now been taking snaps at center and showing teams that I'm also a center option and center prospect. That's Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. Uh, the versatility this guy has is, I think, I think it might, it's, it's darn near close to Zion Johnson levels of versatility in terms of where you can play him and where you can plug and put him on the offensive line. Um, he's starting to grow on me the more film that I watch. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't see him as a tackle prospect in the league. It's definitely more of center or guard is one of the two spots that he'll be. Um, but he's going late. He's going later for some people. I know he started to move up in some cases on mock draft boards. What do you think about Zach Tom, and do you think this makes sense? Yeah, I like Zach Tom. You know, he was one of those guys that when we talked about in our – in our, in our pre-show meeting that you lit up about. You could tell that you were really excited about oh Tom. And, and I like him as well. I think he would be a, a dynamite fit. And I like the versatility, you know, that he would be able to afford the 49ers offensive line and Kyle Shanahan. 
Um, and yeah, you're right. He could you could develop him into a center or a guard or even a potential right tackle at some point. But I think this guy makes a lot of sense for them. And one thing we know the 49ers value is versatility. There are areas of his game that he needs to improve, of course. Um, but with all guys, there are. And that's part of the reason that he's maybe not made for tackle in the NFL, but could potentially kick inside, you know, and just be better in that role. So I look I look at him as a potential opportunity for the 49ers. He could fit in what they want to do. Um, so yeah, I like I like him for sure for he's, the 49ers as, as a potential draft pick. He's he's patient. He's very patient as yeah. a blocker and technical. He, he's not someone who comes out and like wows you in terms of the the physical strength and him like bullying guys and moving guys off, but he just doesn't get beat. He puts guys in the in the right spot. He, he gets guys around in space. A very patient, very technical with how he approaches the game and you don't have to worry about hand placement with this guy and base and things like that. It's fundamentally sound. He's a sound player. Um, but that's why he's a developing guy because you don't know if he's, the power is there. You don't know if the, the control is there. If he's going to be moving guys off of spots and you know dominating at the point of attack, which are all areas you want to do if you're the San Francisco 49ers and getting out in space and, and making sure you're making those blocks and having an impact. So it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see where he lands, if it ends up being San Francisco, and uh, where he ends up actually playing because the guy who could play in a multitude of different spots. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Let's see what some of the cutback crew is saying. I don't know if anyone's talking about Tom or not, I see Robert just asked, what position do you guys think we pick first? Um, interesting question. I, I go impact player. I mean, that's usually my thought process. So I want an impact wide receiver or an impact edge rusher, somebody that can impact the quarterback either positively for you or negatively uh, for the opposing team as far as an edge rusher. I think if one of those edge rushers, you know, the 49ers really covet is there and available at that spot, um, there are a few names that if they fall, you know, I mean, I mean, I would even be willing to take a job at 61 if he was available. Bowie Moffey, um, AK from Penn State. I think those are guys are all there. Um, there's some other guys as well that are, that are going to be available, but those ones I really value at 61. And if they're there, I'd be tempted. The question will be, what would the 49ers do if it was Christian Watson still sitting there at 61 or, you know, one of these guys like AK or Boy Moffey? Uh, I, I wonder what the 49ers would do. I think most 49ers... Fans realize that edge rusher and wide receiver are places the 49ers could go. Um, and I think offensive line might wait until 93 or 105, potentially even in the 130s when they draft there in the fourth round. Uh, but we'll see, because I do think that you want to get an impact player higher in the draft. And offensive line isn't always the sexiest or the most impactful, especially if you believe your young players are going to step up this year and you're drafting someone to eventually take over. Very true. Um, Caesar just asked about Abraham Lucas. That's the second time he's asked about that. Okay. I think he's more of a tackle prospect than a guard or, or center prospect. So this won't be a guy that we cover right now in this episode or even talk about right now because he's listed as his tackle. He played mostly tackle. He's projected out as a tackle. Um, so we can talk about him later, but not, not a bad prospect there. Um, Ken Martin, edge or cornerback from the guys uh, looking at Kingsley in the first second, Jones going first or second. Uh, Jaylee just said Tom in the fourth or fifth. Oh, I like that. Uh, I love that. I would love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you know what? I, I didn't mention cornerback. Uh, if you're getting and if you need a nickel corner, then 61 might be a spot for the 49ers to select a cornerback. I'm hoping they're going to have that thing fixed. So they don't have to go for a cornerback at 61. I worry they're not going to be able to get a guy that can start. And I'm still concerned about Diameter Lenore starting as well, even though I think Lenore will be improved from last year. Um, I still have questions about him in, in man-to-man coverage against the deep fade and those sort of things that we saw K1 Williams struggling with. Those are similar things that Diameter Lenore struggled with as well. So I think they do need to fix the nickel corner spot still. And if they plan on going draft pick, um, they're going to have to get somebody that can get it done. And maybe it's as easy as Ombre Thomas is going to play on the outside and Mosley's going to move inside. 
but I don't know that for sure right now. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not 100% sure on that either. Uh, Zion Johnson, someone had brought him up, interior offensive lineman from BC. Have you watched any film on him? Yeah, good. Too you like good. him? Too good? You think he's going to go in the first? Yeah, too good. He's going in the first. There you go. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, Johnson will be you know one of the, the top 20 picks in the draft. So It's fair because he's about a top 20 talent. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there it is, Ant. There it is indeed. And let's move on to another gentleman on the list for us here. Uh, let's go to Luke Gadecki. You might as well. Someone else brought him up. Let's let's jump on down the board a little like bit that. to Mr. Gadecki, who played some tackle. Uh, played some tackle, Ant, uh, but but probably translates better as an offensive guard. Um, I won't make the argument for it because uh, as much as I I love him, I, I know you do too as well. Go ahead and start off Luke Gadecki here. What do you love this, about this guy out of Mich- Central Michigan? Yeah, he's out of Central Michigan. Central I, Michigan. I really liked some of his aggressiveness. Uh, to me, he was well-polished. He had good hands. Uh, his kick slide was nice and smooth. He's actually one of these guys that I think could potentially come in and play guard while Mike McGlinchey's there and then kick out and play tackle in the NFL eventually. Uh, I have a lot of faith in this guy. I liked his film maybe more than a lot of the other guys that we're talking about. Um, to me, he was one of those guys that he was nimble. He was quick. Uh, he had that Did he jump over the candlestick. Uh, I mean, if you want him to, he'll paint your, <laughs> he'll paint your back fence. Uh, he'll do whatever you need, Alex. Uh, he's a man of many skills and traits. Um, but That's yeah, he's, he's a very solid prospect. I really liked him a lot. And he's somebody that I haven't watched a whole lot of film just recently got onto him. But yeah, I liked what I've seen so far, um, you know, and, and, and play in and play out. He's competing. And that's something you want on your football team. So yeah, he's a nice prospect. And I think in, you're right. Moving into guard, he'd be a big guard initially, a tall guy. But eventually, I think he could move out to right tackle if you decide to move off Mike McGlinchey. True. Um, I, I agree with you there. He very much could be could be that uh, for this team, a, a lot of the, a lot of the knock on him is the competition level of competition. Obviously, that he he played against. Yeah. Um. People like the things that they saw, but you know how much was he really tested? You know, can you really evaluate his ability to anchor down when he's not playing against potentially NFL level caliber linemen? He did play against some guys in that sense, in that regard, and I didn't see anything from Gadecki that made me go, no, he, he's incapable. There's just going to be some growing pains with him. There's going to be some things he has to learn. Um, but I, I think there's not a lot of questions with the run blocking. I don't dislike anything that he does. And I think the, the move inside the guard is not just better for him. It just naturally makes sense. And I'm surprised that there's some places that have rated him so low and haven't even tried to put him in as a guard prospect. Um, they just put him as a tackle. They put him in a box ant and they're willing to throw him down at the back end of, of this draft and just say, hey, you know, he's just, it's just not going to work out there. You're right. It might not work out there. That's because it may better suit you to put him on the interior, but that just makes him more versatile as well. And makes him an option that San Francisco and I was going to look at, Oh, a guy who played tackle who could, we could throw in on the inside and, you know, work on and, and have coach Forster work with this gentleman on getting himself ready to play guard in this league and be an option for us in case someone goes down. I, I do like this as a developmental piece for the Niners to draft. Yeah, he's a scheme fit. He's Absolutely. scheme fit and a developmental player. Like If you're drafting him in, in the area that he's going to be drafted, you want Chris Forster to be able to develop him. And that's why I said you kick him inside, you let him compete, uh, and then eventually maybe he could take over from Mike McGlinchey you know, down the road. Um, I do think he has a, a nasty streak to him. What I like is a lot of the technique things are, are pretty clean. I mean, there's things he needs to work on, of course. Uh, he plays tall sometimes. I mean, that, he's six foot six. I mean, people are going to play tall. Um, this is just something he needs to work on. I think that if he does, um, you know, he could develop into a great player. And I think he has more talent potential than somebody like Colton McKivitz or Justin Skule. So, yeah, I'm excited about potentially bringing him in and adding him to this team and this depth. 
there you go. You just want to get better even in the depth areas, and, and he would do that. Uh, very true. Jayla just asked about uh, my cousin from Boston College and Tyler Vrabel because apparently I look like the Vrabels. Um, there you go. Not not as big on Tyler Vrabel. I think there's some things there that he has to work on. Uh, he's definitely he's definitely not ready. He's not ready to, to be anything right now. Um, I don't even know. Do you think he's going to get drafted? No. I don't think he's going to be either. I think he's going to be an undrafted guy. And I don't think he, he ends up in San Francisco. I know he played in a system that could be considered undrafted. Where do you think he's going to end up? Oh, he's going to end up with his father. Of course he is. He's going to end up with his father. He'll end up with a practice Except squad. Except I hope the Patriots offer more money. They might. They honestly, <laughs> just they honestly to spite might. him. No, I'm just kidding. It's true. And and Sean had asked, uh, not Sean. Caesar just asked about Sean Ryan from UCLA. That was the first guy that we actually. Yeah, talked we about. talked about him first. So you head on back to the beginning of the video real quick and get your little little fill there of Sean Ryan and then hop back up here to live. Uh, but that, that was the first guy that we talked about, a, a guy that is a very dynamic and, and and could be a good fit for San Francisco for the 49ers and definitely might be available at 61. Yeah, I like him. Uh, agreed with you there. Uh, agreed with you there. And let's talk about uh, another guy, Ant, another gentleman who is a tackle prospect per se, but uh, might work out very well. And I've called him Nega Glinchy, Ant. I've called and referred to him as Nega Glinchy because I feel he is the inverse of what Mike McGlinchey is. And I like that about him, actually. Kellen Dyche from Arizona State as well. Tackle that you and I both think, if you move this guy inside the guard, fireworks. Yeah, the the, the question with uh, with Dyche is the the run blocking. The pass blocking is absolutely superb. Phenomenal. He He's good. Um, sometimes, I mean, he looks a little tall, but I think it's just the way he looks because of his slender frame. But he's one of those guys that gets after it. He's definitely a scheme fit. Just like his teammate Donovan West, both guys are scheme fits for the 49ers. And you know the 49ers are going to get some good info from their, their head coach about you know who they are and how they operate. But I think he would be a nice fit. The question is, could he develop in the run game fast enough? The same thing we had with Jalen Moore last year where the Niners drafted a really good pass blocker who needed to develop the run game. That's what you would be doing with Kellen as well. Um, so will the 49ers take that, take that route? Maybe, potentially, he could play inside but he could also be your developmental replacement for Mike McGlinchey if that was an area you wanted to go. Played left tackle in college, but could translate to right tackle in the NFL. In fact, I think most people would think he would be a right tackle in the NFL. And then potentially, there's your pass blocking right tackle on the you know the opposite of Trent Williams. But the run game would have to improve, and Chris Forrester would have to believe that he could help develop uh, Kellen's ability to you know change the way he run blocks. Because right now, there's not a lot of physicality there. There's not a lot of moving people off their their spots, and that needs to change some. Uh, and if they believe that's a potential, then they would do that. But as far as a a guy that's going to be in the middle rounds, a third round, potentially late second, early third round, I think third round. Um, yeah, it would be a solid pick for the Niners. I don't hate that, um, in all honesty. I, yeah. I, when I watched this film, the immediate, the immediate thought process was this, the the 180 polar opposite of what McGlinchey does well, this guy does well, and the, the areas that McGlinchey struggles, the McGlinchey struggles are his strengths, his strength, uh, his weaknesses are McGlinchey's strengths. So maybe being able to feed off of one another can help him. I I, I don't know, Ant, but I I do enjoy a lot of the things that this guy does. Um, yeah, he was actually the reason I even stumbled across Donovan West in the first place. So I was nice. watching this film and being like, oh my goodness gracious Almighty, I love him. And then was watching Donovan West dominate there in the run game and was like. Well, can we just take the two of you and mesh you into one person and just have like the greatest alignment that's ever existed at the college level? Um, uh, this this guy is fantastic. I, I love his versatility. I love what he could be. Um, let's talk about another thing uh, about a guy who's got some versatility and but could become something special. I think you and I both both really enjoy Spencer Buford 
out of University of Texas, San Antonio. They got themselves a couple good prospects Woo. that are coming into this draft who I don't think people are paying attention to that could light up the league. Yeah, a lot of athleticism. I mean, a lot of getting to the second level and making people pay for it. Yeah, I like Spencer Buford. I think that he would be a nice fit for the 49ers in their scheme. I like his hand placement. I like his heavy hands. Um, there's some development things that need to go there. So he's a guy that you're going to bring in and expect to develop. But he's a nice attitude guy. I mean, you see the kind of some of the toughness and aggressiveness from him um, that I want to see from my offensive lineman. I remember I had an offensive line coach that I coached with, um, and I I was telling him that he needed to help teach the kids attitude. You know, get, let's get the let's get these kids, um, you know, going at a high level with attitude. And he's like, like, how do you teach attitude? I was like, well, some, for some people it's an acquired thing. For some people it can be taught. I think this guy it's just an acquired thing. Like he's just he's ready to roll at all times and. You like that aggressiveness and that ability inside your locker room. So, yeah, I would definitely like this pick for the Niners. Uh, agreed. He he likes being physical as well, and I love that. And did you know he actually has an NFL pedigree in terms of family members who have been in the league? Um, both Le- Adrian Waddle and Sam Hurd, both of his cousins, played oh, in the NFL. Sam Hurd, nice. Yeah, so this is a guy who's got NFL bloodline coursing through those veins and um, four-star signing. When he signed at the University of Texas San Antonio, which you don't typically see four-star guys going to a school like that, smaller school. Why but not? Maybe he just wanted to be next to Candy Art Collectibles. He might have been wanted to be near <laughs> Candy Art Collectibles, and I don't blame him for that. That's a funny <laughs> dude. Um, but this guy was a, a, a starter since he was a true freshman. Yeah. So this is a guy who has developed along the way, has held that line down there for the University of Texas San Antonio, who just had one of their better seasons and better teams. And this is a reason why um, this guy is physical. Uh, he's got a little bit of a mean streak in him. Um, I love his upside, his athleticism, everything that he could potentially bring to the table and what he could become is big. And he's six, five. And yeah. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. He, he's the opposite of, of, of Kellen that we just talked about. Correct. Uh, Correct. So, I mean, but yeah, he's got a lot of potential. I like him a lot. In fact, I would love him in, in like the fifth or sixth round and sixth round, especially if the Niners could get him in the sixth round, that'd be great. It would be absolutely fantastic. My guys, San Antonio out of nowhere said Jay Ellie said thoughts on Utah's guard and Ford and BYU center uh, MC MC, I think is the guy. Yeah. I remember I, I talked to you a little bit about MC. I haven't watched a whole lot of film on MC yet, so I need to get more into that before I get a, a detailed breakdown of that. Um, he's he's one that I'm still working on. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm still working on some of the later round guys uh, in the interior offensive line. Um, we worked on as many of the guys that we thought would be in the area for the 49ers. So he's somebody I, I need to watch. But initial thoughts were not a bad prospect, but I definitely want to watch more game film uh, because you want to see how it is playing and play out. You just don't want to see it in like a little short spurts. Um, so I'll, I'll watch him for sure. So MC somebody I'm still looking forward to watching film on. Uh, agreed with you there. And is there a prognostics on McGlinchey? Asked Android user. I remember hearing that he was just barely started walking without crutches. Yeah, you know, I haven't heard anything. I just heard John Lynch say that Mike McGlinchey was on target with his rehab. Uh, so that would mean that he's, you know, expected to be back. The fact that 49ers have, didn't go out and try to address, you know, tackle in free agency, um, because you would think, and this is what I would do if I was a general manager, is if I knew that there was a possibility Mike McGlinchey wasn't going to come back, unless I thought Jalen Moore was going to be the starter at right tackle, I would have went out and got one of these you know free agent guys where you could assign him to a deal like they did Lael Collins, uh, where it's a very low number this year, and then you know and work it out. But you also could have restructured some more contracts to make that happen because that's something that's very important to this football team. So my belief is they either believe McGlinchey will be ready or they believe Jalen Moore is ready to ascend. Um, to that right tackle spot. And if Jalen Moore is ready to ascend and he's going to be pushing Mike McGlinchey this year, that changes everything for 2023. 
Uh, you were correct. It does change a lot yeah. of things for, for 2023, my guy. Um, let's move on to Luke Wattenberg, a guy that I haven't watched as much film on, Ant, but you have. Um, I'm assuming y you like this guy a little bit. This is a guy late yeah. in drafts that is starting to catch some people's attention and catch some people's eye. I just recently stumbled across his film and started stumbling across it and watching a little bit more of him. What do you like about Wattenberg? Uh, Wattenberg, I thought, was a solid guy. I mean, he's not one of those guys that his traits jump off but it seems he always gets to the right spot, you know, and he he, he works it, you know, well. Um, he can get off balance as well. He can play tall. Um, I think he lacks a little bit of the athleticism that some of the other guys we've talked about. So scheme fit-wise, you might question um, if he's going to ultimately fit. But we're talking about a guy that's going to be a late, you know, sixth, seventh round guy, potentially even undrafted. So um, I think that he's got some development there. And I think the the questions I have about him are his footwork. Uh, he he's, his, his, he doesn't have quick feet, you know, and um, slow feet don't eat. And I think he I needs to work on his feet. And he needs to get everything together there. Um, but I do see some potential in some of the ways that he handles himself. So as a late round pick, he wouldn't make sense, but he's got to pull it together. So he would be a developmental guy, to be honest with you. If they took him late in the draft, I would not expect him to make this 49ers roster. I would think he would eventually have potential to be on the practice squad. That makes sense, Ant. That does make sense. Um, this is also a guy in high school play tackle. He's played tackle, he's played center, and he's played guard. Yeah. Um, when I started diving into the film and saw some things, I was like, all right, there's something here. Let's start actually taking a look at this guy. Will the Niners actually draft him? When I saw that he played tackle in high school and was playing center and guard in college, I was like, okay, well, yeah, that means this kind of makes and, sense. And, this and, is definitely a guy, if the Niners don't necessarily, let's yeah. say they only go after one gentleman and they go after a solidified like a guy who's a more a guard tackle sort of hybrid uh, who doesn't have center potentiality or, or versatility there, this could be a guy that they, they look at later in this. Well, he played for Jim Harbaugh, which means he's going to be pro ready. He's at least going to have an understanding of what it, you know, what he's supposed to do in the NFL. Um, but there's going to be a lot of development. And we've seen some of the other guys that have come you know, the, out of the, the Michigan program that have been late round picks like Runyon that have been able to go sure. and, and actually hold down his spot. So potentially he could do that. But I think he is lower on the list for the 49ers. Uh, he is definitely lower on the list. And, and another guy who's this one's this one's odd. I, we talked about this before. Hey, Cam Jurgens, you and I both like him out of Nebraska. Really do. But I have told you, there are people who have him pegged as an undrafted free agent. I can't wrap my head around no. it because when I watch the film, no part of me thinks, this is what an undrafted free agent looks like? This is what an undrafted free agent looks like? Are we sure about this, guys, who have, who have put him in this category? And these are big-name sites that have done this that people go to for draft analysis. I almost can't wrap my head around it. Um, Cam Jurgens out of, out of Nebraska, though, is fiery and fiery um at times it feels like he's wild with how he plays but talk about a guy who gets off the snap quick fires out initiate contact to the point of attack you don't have to worry about people getting into cam jurgens cam jurgens is getting into people before they can even blink yeah i like him a lot i, I think i think that's his that's what it's about it's about physicality um he likes his job and he gets after it and he en enjoys you know knocking people off their spot so this is one of those guys that you like for attitude reasons. And we've talked about some other ones like Buford as well. Um, these are guys that are nasty and you want to add nasty players to your offensive line when everything is about the run game. You know what Trent Williams is? He's absolutely nasty. Mike McGlinchey, absolutely nasty. nasty. These guys get after it. You've watched Alex Mack for two seconds after a play. You know he's just bugging everyone on the field. That's just what these guys do. They're antagonists. And this guy's one of them. Uh, I don't think he's one of those guys that's going to go undrafted. I think he's going to go in the third or fourth round. And I think he's going to be a, a bang up selection for somebody. 
I would love for the Niners to be able to bring him in as a backup center to Alex Mack, learn, develop, and then potentially be able to take over in 2023 or 2024 if Alex Mack, you know, decided to live out the rest of his contract. So I think that he's a solid player for the 49ers, and I love the aggressiveness. I wouldn't make him my number one center because I think Lindstrom is my number one center from the guys that we've talked about Agreed. that could potentially land with San Francisco, but he's the second best. Like he's the next guy that I really like. And it's not close. No. I, I don't, I don't have it close. It's, it's Lindstrom. And then it's, and then it's Jurgens. Um, and you were correct. This is a guy who, who loves his job. Uh, I just saw candy, our collectible saying cam Jurgens was the, like the only good part of the O line this season for Nebraska. Um, Kane DR is a Nebraska fan. He is a yeah. Nebraska fan. Him and I have talked about this. And he said, there's not really a lot to root, root with, with uh, Nebraska. He goes, and he told me literally, except for Cam Jurgens. <laughs> That's what he told me. Kane DR collectibles. Dad did not help him out. Cincinnati Reds fan, Nebraska oh fan. Gosh. But you got to remember the, the big red machine was going strong with his dad was a fan, uh, you know, and then Nebraska was, you know, Tommy Frazier and all those guys. So, uh, Candy are not set up. You know, he's also a Sacramento Kings fan. Not set up for oh greatness. My God. Yeah, I know um, how that feels. Uh, yeah, he can blame his dad for that. But his dad got to live out the glory days of Johnny Bench and then Tommy Frazier and all those great teams there. So good for him. Sorry, sorry, Caleb. It's good for pops, not good for Caleb. <laughs> no. Uh, but as for Mr. Jurgens, and yeah. uh, this this is a guy who I baffled, just baffled yeah. by some of the stuff that uh, that I saw and the reports of of this guy. You know, not being. A, a guy who potentially could go in the, in the top 100 or was borderline at least a top 100 player. Um, people putting him like in the 170, 200s. I saw one place had him at like three something. I could could not wrap my head around it. I don't know what you're seeing on film that makes you think that way. I think they see a couple of games where he didn't necessarily have his great moment or didn't play necessarily his best. But if you're watching his film, no, there is no quit in when he's when he's losing. Even when he loses, and he's almost winning. He gets to the point of attack in the right spot. He's getting leverage and getting guy driving in, in a direction. And a guy either just overpowers or just, you know, a hard block to make a tough block to make. And almost like people want to knock the guy for not completing a, a tough block. You're not going to, you're not going to hit on everything. You're not going to hit on, on all of your assignments all of the time. But when your coach is putting you in difficult positions, he's putting you there because you're talented and because he believes you can get the job done. You wouldn't be putting your players in those positions and calling those types of plays. And having that guy consistently be your center, snap in, snap out, play in, play out, if you didn't think he could get the job done. And I watched enough of Cam Jurgens' film to be able to know to notice when he's just not capable or not good enough or when it's just an issue of, you know, sometimes you get beat. Sometimes things like that happens. The motor he plays with, the intensity he plays with, the drive he plays with, there's no part of me that doesn't think that this guy, whoever drafts this guy, is going to get a guy who's going to essentially will himself into being your starting center at some point in time in the league. Yeah, that's why he would flourish in San Francisco. Um, he would flourish in Miami. You know, those are places he's going to flourish with excellent run games because then he's going to be able to get after it. He likes to go forward and he likes to move people off their spot. And if you could get a run game going with with him, then his pass blocking would be even more efficient and better. And he would win more times than he loses. So yeah, he's a solid pickup if the Niners can get him. In fact, every time I mock draft, that that's who I'm landing on. I'm landing go. him as one of the interior offensive linemen. I really like him a lot. Um, a lot of the guys we've talked about though, Donovan West is another guy that I really like. Um, that I land on all the time, of course. Um, but yeah, these there's a lot of good players. Cole Strange as well. Uh, I did draft Cole Strange a couple times, but you know, of course. Dylan Parham is my guy now. Dylan so. Parham is is phenomenal, yes. my guy. And Bomber just asked, you guys look up Cole Strange? We did, and yes. we, we talked about him. We talked about him a little bit ago. So if you missed that, rewind it, or just wait a little bit of time because all of these live streams that we're doing right now, timestamps, timestamps for the individuals. So you can click on those over here on YouTube, take you right to the gentleman. So you don't have to scroll through and wait. You can just 
there are certain guys you want to hear and talk about and you want to listen to those guys, boom, there you go, problem solved. Yeah, and Cole Strange is a solid prospect. <clears throat> You're going to want to hear that because we did break him down. Uh, absolutely, and we did break him down. A couple of guys who are interesting prospects, but I don't know if the Niners are going to actually necessarily be going after these guys. And we had talked about these pre-show and were guys like uh, Ed Ingram out of uh, LSU, uh, guys like Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma. And oh man, who was the other gentleman that we were we were talking about? There was one other guy and oh, Le Le oh who? Lectus Smith out of Virginia Tech. Uh, all three guys, there's some nice things there about them on film. I just don't know necessarily if it translates to San Francisco's scheme. Yeah, I didn't really like Smith. Uh, you didn't like Lectus Smith? Le Lettuce, yeah, Lectus? I, can't, I can't even say his I think it's Lectus Smith. I'm just going to call him Smith. There you go. Um, I didn't like his film for the 49ers scheme fit. I thought he fit a lot of different schemes and he'd be successful You know, playing a, a left guard spot in the NFL. I just didn't see him as a, a scheme fit for the 49ers. So he wasn't one that I continued to watch a lot of film on. I watched some, uh, decided he wasn't a scheme fit, and then moved on. That's kind of how I operate because I want to break down the players and spend the most time on the players that fit what the Niners do. I should probably have learned from my mistakes. This is what I did to Aaron Banks last year, um, but I did it again. And then Ingram, I actually liked. I did like Ingram. I thought there were some really positives about him. Um, so I think the 49ers could potentially be interested in him. I just don't think that they would value him enough at 61 to be able to make that. And I, I don't think he'd make it to 93. So he's one of those guys that he's a tweener. Yeah, he's a tweener where you you don't love him at 61, but you would like him at 93. And I don't think he's still going to be there. And he finishes, though. Uh, he, Ingram, Ingram finishes. He's good. Yeah. That, I mean, this is a guy who puts well, these, none of these guys are like bad. They're, they're they no. got a lot of great traits. And if they're in the right scheme with the, the right coaches and talent the, around them, they're going to be good football. Players. The elite stuff's going to shine through yeah. even more with with a lot of these guys in the right situations. Uh, Marquise Hayes is an interesting one because what I saw out of him, there's a lot of athleticism there and a lot of potential there. Um, I, I do like his ability to get up to second level. Um, very active in screen games as well, Ant, which is something a, a couple of these guys have uh, shown as well. So I do like Marquise Hayes. I just don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be making the transition inside because he did play some tackle as well. He does have some versatility. So that does make him uh, something the Niners are going to look at and go, oh, you can do multiple things, eh? Rubs uh, evil goatee chin hair and, and then goes, maybe we we take you instead. <laughs> and they drop them and they could do that. They 100% could. Yeah, I mean, the interesting part is going to be that not only is Chris Forster going to coach the offensive line, but he's going to be a run game coordinator this year as well. True. Um, you know, And you've seen this come now with John Benton being with the New York Jets and being their run game coordinator. Transition for these offensive line coaches to be run game coordinators. There's going to be a heavy emphasis <clears throat> on the things that their guys do well. So they're going to want to draft guys that are going to be able to implement into the style of run game that they want to run. And we know what that is for the Niners, right? You want to have guys that are quick and agile that are able to run the out, to be able to block in the outside zone, but also able to pull and be able to move people off their spots, you know, in the gap scheme. So I think that these guys are going to, you know, that's what they're looking for. There's a very detailed oriented way of looking at it. But I think the Niners do look run first on all their offensive linemen. So if you're not a good run blocker, you don't fit in San Francisco and I think that that's how it goes. That's why when we talk about Kellen Dyche, that was an interesting guy because he doesn't really fit in the run department. The only thing we could signal to that is that Jalen Moore also didn't. So if they think he can develop, then he's a possibility. But everyone we talked about today um, pretty much is pretty good at the run game um, and then is adequate at the pass. And some of them better than <clears throat> others. Correct. Um, and and Jalen just asked, what about Kentucky? Pat? How about the Kentucky Cats? And there are some guys. Luke Fortner is definitely a name to, to keep an eye on. He's going to be a later round guy. Um, this is not, you don't watch Luke Fortner film and see explosive blocking. Like that's just not, you're not going to get that with Fortner. What you are going to see though, is a guy who moves guys off of his spot, 
He's pretty technically sound. He gets his hips around in space, creates a lot of run opening lanes, um, which is which is why he's going to probably fit. He'd fit fairly well. We've seen that a lot with Daniel Brunskill. You don't see Daniel Brunskill making highlight big type style plays. And so if you're the Niners and think he's going to go get paid in the offseason, a guy like Fortner is a guy you could bring in, ideally thinking, hey, maybe this guy could slot in behind a Daniel Brunskill or could get to Daniel Brunskill type levels and be you know, formidable in those situations. I don't know if he necessarily has the same issues as a pass pro guy as Brunskill. I have seen him anchor down fairly well on, on film a couple of times, um, but this isn't a guy who is going to be dominant in pass pro sets on the interior, um, but he's not a liability either. Yeah, he's another guy I haven't got to. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and blow, there's, smoke, a, there's a lot of guys, blow smoke out there that, you know, I've broke this guy down. I haven't got to him. Um, you know, he's somebody that since JLE brought it up, I'll, I'll go ahead and take a look at him, you know, because he said the Kentucky Cats. Um, so I'll get into it and I'll check him out and, and see what I think. I think there's a couple guys now that people have brought up uh, that I need to watch more film on. You know, one, I watched a little bit of film and, that, and this one I haven't watched any film on yet. So I need to really break them down uh, and see what we think. But I mean, there's just so many guys in so many different positions. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of work to get after these guys. So, no, I definitely haven't saw him. So I have nothing to add to this besides what you already said, Alex. Look, I, here's the other thing, too, with Fortner that you cannot you can't rule out. And, and something that's been said a lot of times already today and just this episode uh, looked a lot better when he moved from guard to center. So there you go. He can play guard. He can play center. And uh, San Francisco 49ers in the in the sixth, sixth round, fifth round, maybe looking at this guy and being like, this is an option. This is not we can do a lot of different things with you. Um screaming daniel brunskill more and more every day well then, then i'll watch him and i'll keep that in mind and see if i think that a transition to jail center J is possible jail just brought up your boy darian kinner man <laughs> okay uh, i was trying to wonderful. avoid this but no i have actually watched kinner you have like watched kinner I, yeah, I have watched him um i don't think he's a scheme fit for the 49ers i'm not a, i know a lot of people are huge on him and i saw a lot of people you know banging the table that he needs to be the guy for the niners of 61 I don't think so. I think you're running the risk of him being, you know, a developmental piece that just never develops. So I think that he is a scheme fit for a lot of teams. I don't see it for San Francisco. I wouldn't draft him at 61 and I don't see the value at 93 either. So he's not one of my favorite guys in this draft. Um, but I mean, it's the eye of the beholder. Uh, it so is. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens, but no, he's not one of my favorite guys in the draft. I thought mobility wise, decent, not great. Uh, aggressiveness. It was pretty good. Um, but I worry about him being able to play tackle. Now, if you're moving him into guard, it's a little bit of a better situation. It is. But I, I'm still not huge on this. I like a lot of other guys in this draft so much better that are more athletic, that are better with their hands, that are getting after it in a different way. Um, and I would go that route. There is possibility and potential with Kennard, but it is possibility and potential. And at 61, it's way too early. Um, and, and on my sheet that I have, um, I have him highlighted, and but it's a different color than the rest of them. Because it's one of those things where it's like, it's like the Solomon Thomas, Thomas situation. If I don't have to take him where people think he's going to go, and I can take him way later, then it's a, a net positive for San Francisco. It's a value pick, yeah. It's an extremely value, valuable pick there and, and a value pick indeed. But if you have to take him with where you take him, it just doesn't make a lot of sense because I don't, I don't see those elite traits that make me go, this guy is something that is worth the, worth the, the risk at 61 in order to take. The later he gets, the better the value is. The, the at 61 the, it's not enough there I, I would rather go after a guy like you know parnum in that situation than, than take a guy like this no i i just like parnum as a as a prospect better even correct i just think he's a better prospect i think he's a better fit for the 49ers um i like the way he plays a little bit better uh that's just that's just my opinion you know i mean somebody uh, lots of people can see it other ways i've seen jl he said you know position versatility or he could play multiple positions 
Yeah, I, I think he would have to because I, I don't see him fitting the 49ers scheme at right tackle. Uh, maybe he fits other schemes at right tackle in the NFL, maybe. but I'm just, I'm just, I haven't been a huge fan of him since I watched film and I've seen all the buzz. I was going on 40-hours Twitter. Uh, so he was one of the guys, that I first guys that broke down and I just walked away from it being like, oh. I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Uh, DZ Egum uh, had asked earlier, coach said Banks is ready to go from what you guys know. Do you agree? Who I didn't it? see. Uh, he said DZ Egum said coach said Banks is ready to go. Uh, from what you guys know, do you agree? Um, I haven't seen enough, so I'm going to have to trust what Kyle Shanahan says. If him and Chris Forster believe that Aaron Banks is going to be ready to roll, then then he's ready to roll. Uh, what we saw in training camp was a guy that really struggled. Maurice Hurst absolutely made this guy feel you know like he was not ready. We saw it consistently through training camp until he got hurt uh, in training camp, and then that slowed his development as well. Well, you got to believe that he got better because as the season progressed, he went from being you know inactive for games to being active. And so that would show that he's improved enough for the 49ers felt comfortable with him being a potential option if somebody got injured. So I think there's been improvement. I think he's been working his butt off during the offseason to get better. And a lot of it was about improving lateral quickness and also improving, you know, his weight. Uh, because he was 335 pounds, they wanted him to be around 320. So those are things he needed to work on. And if he did, then he has a potential to start. He's a very good pass blocker. He His run blocking sometimes, he needs to get a little bit better at it because he needs to be able to get to the second level and stick. He doesn't always stick on those guys. Um, so that's something he's going to work on. And But potentially, I mean, he has he has the ability. He really does. He just hasn't shown any development. Nothing that we've saw, because he didn't play any games in the, the end of the season, um, could, could tell us that he's going to be a starter or not. Uh, very true, and I want to let you get to your boy, Andrew Stuber from Michigan, before we get anywhere, you know, anywhere else crazy, because I know you like this guy a lot out of Michigan. I haven't watched as much film. I know you have. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I like him. I, I think he's a solid player for sure. Um, I, I, I wrote down guard. You know, that was one of the first things I saw when I watched him on film. Once again, it's an, it's another guy that, you know, I think potentially is ready to, to play in the NFL. But, um, yeah, he, I, I liked his ability. It wasn't anything that was like elite that jumped off, you know, the, the, the books. Uh, but I saw him kind of in the Colton McKivitz mold as far as style of play. I just think he may be a little bit better. But that's the kind of value I put on him. That's good value right there. Yeah. You, you can't complain about that type of value. And I, and I know, I know there's people right now going, but guys, you didn't talk about the, the dude from, from Minnesota. You didn't talk about Falele. Are you going to talk about him with the tackles? Probably not. Good chance we're not going to. Oh, Daniel Falele. Yeah, we're not, uh, not going to talk about Falele. Daniel Falele is not a, a scheme fit for the San Francisco 49ers. No, you know who would be a scheme fit ant that won't be available, though? Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Yeah. It's just sad. That's it's, true. It's just sad. It really, truly is just sad. A cutback crew right now is question time for you. If you got questions, if you got guys that we didn't talk about that you want us to, to bring up and mention, now is the time. Let us know. Forktail said Banks being ready is crucial. I'm so glad to hear the positive statement about him. Um, look, I, I think it's great for everyone to feel better about the, the Aaron Banks situation. Yeah. It seems like the, the drafting of Banks was almost always intended to be developmental. You hoped it was going to be more than that, but if not, um, that's a okay. You felt pretty good with the offensive line as it currently was, and you knew you had a guy sitting there waiting in the wings in case you couldn't bring back a Lincoln Tomlinson. Yeah, I, I never fear development. You know, when a guy comes in as a rookie and he's not able to start day one, uh, I don't fear that because you you draft players on their potential, what they could be. There's lots of guys in this in the draft that are going to be ready day one, and they're going to go out there and you know maybe don't have as high of a top end, you know, a high of a ceiling as some of the other guys. I think Aaron Banks does have a, a high ceiling. There's potential there, but he had to be able to develop. He had to learn this scheme and be able to position his body to the right way. 
Um, and he also had to condition his body the right way. You know, that's he had right. to get in shape so he could be able to make the blocks that he was going to be asked to make and maneuver his body the way that he needed to make it. But like Kyle Shadan said last year, if you can have the biggest guy possible that is able to do what you want him to do, you go get it. And I think that's what they found with Banks. Now, potentially, he could grow into that left guard spot, and you could feel comfortable with him taking over with Lakin Tomlinson. But we're not going to know how comfortable that is until we see him in training camp. And then we start seeing him in the preseason and how he developed because lateral quickness was the big question. And if he's fixed that, then he'll be ready to roll. Uh, yeah, he will be ready to roll and if he's able to fix that there. Uh, JLA said, like the Tulsa tackle. He loves him, man. I, I like to see it. Michigan always produces good O-line player. They, they are run first, much like the Niners. Yeah, agreed. I mean, that pro style, you know, coaching. Uh, you're going to get those guys are going to be able to step in day one and, and be able to produce for your team. But when you're drafting players, a lot of times you will take into account, you know, what system they come from or what coach has been coaching them. And then you will understand where they could possibly go with it. But yeah, they're going to have a different understanding. And a lot of times with offensive lines, it's a little bit different. You're looking for more clean looks and clean ability and smoothness than you are elite traits like you are from some of the other positions. You want guys that can do it consistently well all the time. Um, so consistency is very important for offensive linemen. Uh, very much is, Ant. Very much is. That is 100% accurate. Brad just said, ideal first three picks for me. Christian Watson, James Cook, and a solid center. Oh, solid corner. Oh, solid corner. Is that what he's, oh, corner. My apologies. Yeah. I misread that. Uh, solid corner. I, I, I like that there. Yeah, and I, I've seen I've seen James Cook kind of being in that the 100 area um, of the draft, potentially the, the compensatory pick. Uh, that's not a bad move there. He's a solid, smooth, no. you know, running back uh, that could add a lot to the 49ers roster. So I wouldn't be against it. I think that is a definite upgrade of the third down back right away from Jermichael Hasty, with the ability for him to develop even into a three down back uh, down the road. But he would be a nice compliment to Elijah Mitchell, to Trey Sermon and to Jeff Wilson Jr. I like that. Aunt. I like that a lot there. Uh, question for you. If you could walk away with one lineman in this draft, who is it? Ooh, I want Dylan Parham. That's who I'm going to walk away okay. with. I mean, because I know I'm not going to get the guys at the, the top of the Correct. Day. You got to take the, the guys at the top out because you're not yeah. getting those guys. Th then that's who I want to walk away with. I, I think coming before like the last couple of days of watching more film, I would have said Lindstrom. That was a guy I was really high on. Okay. Um, but now I'm going to go with Parham because I, I think that he's one of those guys that can develop into a really good offensive lineman in the league. Um, and, and I think that they can develop him. He fits what Kyle Shannon wants to do. And I love it. He played left guard. So he could come in and compete right away. Um, maybe not with Banks, but you could possibly play him at right guard as well. I want competition on the interior offensive line. True. Uh, you really do. Uh, I think Parham is up there with me. If I couldn't get a guy like Parham, I would probably try and get two guys. Uh, maybe a little bit later, I'd try and get a Cam Jurgens and try and get a Kellen Dyche. I do like Cam Jurgens. I think, I think that yeah. that would right there is there's your, backups, there's your backup center sitting there waiting and developing in the, in the wings, and a guy like Dyche who has abilities as a tackle, but maybe you throw him in on the, on the guard spot there with McGlinchey next to him, and uh, you've you flip-flopped abilities. Um, or you put him at tackle, put McGlinchey in at guard, knowing we got a guy who needs to develop as a run-blocking aspect, but now we got a, a right tackle who can for sure pass block, and he's swell at it. Um, and McGlinchey now uh, gets a little bit of help on the inside. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they build this roster and build the offensive line because they have some solid depth pieces right now, but some of these depth pieces are going to be asked to step in and be on the starting lineup. Uh, if Daniel Brunskill is slated to be the starting right guard, then... I think it's Aaron Banks, and then you have solid depth behind them. Uh, that's if McGlinchey's healthy. If not, if McGlinchey's not healthy, Moore starting at right tackle, Brunskill starting at guard, Banks is starting at guard, you have questions about the depth. So you need to develop 
extra players and draft extra players to be depth pieces for your team. Uh, you definitely do. You, you have to get that piece of Santa. Depth is kind of important. And the Niners have been very, very good at depth, and we'll see if that continues. We'll see if that trend continues. Yeah. Uh, if you're a betting man, yes, it's going to continue. So if if uh, if the, uh, the casinos give you odds on that, take those odds. The Niners will get depth. That's going to happen. Uh, John Nevisher said, screw it. Just bring in as many Memphis players as we can and get already. We already missed out on Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, Jake Elliott, and others. Don't overlook Calvin Austin the third is what he's saying. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, Calvin Calvin Austin the third is an interesting player, and I think he would have been huge on the 49ers radar pre Ray Ray McLeod signing. I think that there are similar players, and I think that Ray Ray McLeod um, has been already been proven that he can do it in the NFL. And I love a proven commodity a little bit more than somebody I could get in the draft, but I get the allure of him. I have five seven, one hundred seventy three pounds, but with his dynamic speed. He's somebody you're interested in bringing in. He's got some dynamics in special teams as well. I understand that. And then as far as, yeah, Antonio Gibson was one of my guys coming out of the draft. So I love that. I saw the wide back potential. The fact that Memphis used him playing receiver, they used him playing running back. I would have loved that for the 49ers. So yeah, Memphis puts out some good players. SMU has been putting out some very talented players. SMU has um, as well. So yeah, I, you, you do not want to miss on players but you're hoping you can get him in the round in which you want to get him. So it's true. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. John's not wrong. No, he's not wrong, man. Sac Francisco, not wrong. And, and I uh, forgot. I believe Sac Francisco is from that area, right? That's true. Yeah, I believe from Tennessee. There it is. Yeah. No. I, if I'm not mistaken, let me know if I'm if I'm wrong, John. But I believe that's true. If that if that's the case, it would make sense why he's uh, he's very familiar with those Memphis uh, with those Memphis Tigers out there, Ant. Yeah. Some very talented individuals out there, Ant. Um, and look, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting situation. I think the Niners here have a lot of options they can they can go with and a lot of routes they can take to address offensive line, especially on the interior with the guys that we just talked about. Uh, Dylan could slide to us. Makes a lot of sense. And dot, dot, dot said PV50 and, and BV's not wrong. Yep. Uh, Dylan Parham there would be phenomenal there at that spot. Um, is there is there one guy that would be better than that at that spot at 61? Is there a name that you can think of that on the if on the offensive line or or just another player maybe that's not an offensive alignment yeah I, I think you're i think you've seen it in chat for a long time oh, it's, it's one of these no it's not just enough to be watson either i i'd be interested in taking mechie i think mechie is going to be dynamite in the nfl um i think watson is the the number one option between the two of them because he's six foot four and he runs a, a you know a sub four three forty at 211 pounds i think he's going to be a, a good blocker at the next level so i think he takes your offense to another level but i think john mechie could do the same sort of thing the question is which offensive linemen are going to be there. If Dylan Parham is going to be there at 93, you can take that approach and get somebody else at 61. If he's not, potentially what you want to do is select someone at 61 and then come up from 93. Use your use your draft capital to come up. You don't have to draft nine players. You don't have to use those nine picks. You want to walk away with five or six players in the top 150 players because the other guys aren't going to make your roster. Your roster is completely stacked with really good football players. So why draft players are going to end up playing for another football team? No, you you draft five or six really solid players that have potential not only to make your roster but make your team better. And your court's correct from last year, and and when in which you were aggressive but not aggressive enough to get the guys that you really truly wanted. If those guys are sitting there at sixty-one, get them. And if there's someone else that's still there that's high on your board that you're like, man, it, you know, we're probably going to get this guy, but if this guy's here, we can take him at sixty-one. If he falls to that spot, you grab him, you package picks, you come up, you get as many in the top 150 as you can. This was what we said last year that I just needed to do, right? And it's the same this year. You have a deep team. You have a team that doesn't have a lot of holes necessarily to fill. So go get the most talented guys that you can and make sure that you assemble the best 53-man roster possible. 
And Jay only said he voted yes for Mechie, but would love either if they're there. I voted for Mechie as well. Uh, I did. I voted for Mechie. I just think there's something spectacular about him and what he could add to the 49ers offense and the things that Kyle Shanahan could do with him. Um, I love both players. I really do. True. I just think the height of Christian Watson makes him a more appealing option for the Niners, potentially. True. Um, but I would love it. And you're right. The aggressive nature the 49ers need to operate in this draft is very important. We're True. looking at those nine picks. You don't need to walk away with nine players. Use that currency. I mean, you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to have nine guys. I it's That's what's crazy. I've seen some of the mock drafts on Twitter and stuff, and I enjoy watching them because I want to see what people are are thinking. Um, but I see people that trade back, trade back, trade back, and end up with 15 players in the in, in their mock draft. The 49ers don't have room for 15 players. Nope. That's how you end up having a tight end play for the New York Giants after you just drafted them. That's how you end up having players that you drafted playing for other football teams because you don't have room for them. You can't afford to make nine selections. So I think they're going to do something there and potentially go out and just target their players. I don't think Christian Watson is going to be a 61, though. No, I, I don't think so either, Ant. It's going to be very interesting to see who is available at 61. We just talked about some names who would be. Yep. We also talked about names that the Niners could just use to fill up that interior O-line. Let us know in the comments section below which of those guys you really, really enjoyed. If you're listening on traditional podcast platforms after this live stream has already come out, Ant, make sure you give us a rating as well. We really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And if you're listening on one of those uh, traditional audio platforms, uh, you know, hop over sometime and check it out. But also, if you are in the Northern California area, you're going to want to ma- make sure you come and check out our draft party that we're going to be having in Galt, California at the, you know, the Back Alley Brewery. That's right. Uh, it's it's a nice venue, really nice. I like it. Um, beautiful, Anthony. Yeah, beautiful. And it's, we're going to have a lot of fun out there. And we're going to have some some fun games and stuff going on along the way. But we're also going to produce, you know, the, the, the draft content as only we can. Um, not only are you going to get live commentary from us, but also you can watch the draft with some of the big screen TVs that we're going to have out there. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of 49er fans. It's going to be a lot of people in general. It's going to be exciting. So if you have the opportunity, make sure you stop by. Yeah, please, please stop by. It's going to be a blast. Peer pong tournaments, other things going on, raffles, and uh, get to interact with us, the Cutback crew. Um, just be able to have a good time. Watch, watch your team, the 49ers. And if you're not a 49ers fan, then just hang out with a bunch of football fans talking football, watching the stream live in person, um, as well as just being able to, to enjoy the environment and the scenery that's out there. Tacos and a lumpia ant. Yeah. When, you, when, when I heard lumpia, I about died. That's what sold you? That's, I mean, I was already going to be there regardless of whether or not lumpia was present, but lumpia is going to be there, and now, now I'm in heaven. Yeah, and Robert Aguilar says, so guys, over and under two trades from the draft this year. I think it will be over. Uh, I think they're going to move up. I think they're going to move down. They're going to be strategic. I think it's but too exact. W- when it comes to John Lynch, John Lynch likes to move. And I think aggressiveness is going to show its, its its head this time because they need to make sure they go get impact players. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't draft three or four times in the top 100. Um, and so they could potentially move up from 61, move up from 93 or from 105. I wouldn't be shocked to see any of those or all of those as sure. they use you know, draft capital to make sure you move because we do know that next season they're going to have a lot of compensatory picks. Accurate. Arden Key leaves, you get a six-round pick for Arden Key. So uh, there, there's potential now for the 49ers to have a lot of draft picks in 2023. So take advantage of that draft capital this year and get some really impact players. True. Uh, some panchetas. Well, says Jay Ellie. Oh, we'll work on it. <laughs> we'll work on it, my guy. We'll, we'll work on it. Be there or be heard. No, 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 Donald G. It's, it, it, it's at back alley brew. Be there. Or be a screw. That's that's what the, the motto is going to be from me anyway. Don't be a screw. Make sure they're April 29th, 4 to 8 p.m. at Back Alley Brew. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, get ready because that's going to get plugged 
a lot here on this channel between now and then because we don't want you guys to forget. No, exactly. And it's it's going to be an absolute blast. I can't wait. Um, and and I love the draft. And last year we we did live stream the draft. We dra we actually streamed uh, round one, day, two, day one, or day one, day two, and day three. Um, yeah. So you can expect a lot of work from us. We are not going to be you know live streaming day one. The 49ers don't have a pick. Um, if they if they did jump in, possibly you could get a oh, special breaking, live stream. You will get a breaking yeah. breaking live stream with probably me not ready at all and no shirt on because why are you always having no shirt? I don't on? know. I just I do that. I like, it's I like it's, no it's no weird. Shirt. It's weird to me. Well, I mean, look, I, I I get really closed up on the podcast and then don't wear shirts when I'm not on the podcast. It's, it make, makes sense. Interesting. It adds up. It balances out. Yeah. I, I'm just going to wear multiple shirts around you. That's that, fine. That way I, I mean, can make up for your lack of shirts. That's probably smart, yeah. in all honesty. It's probably smart. Uh, David, we appreciate that awesome show, guys. As usual, I'm planning on being at the draft party. We will see you there. We'll see all of the Cutback crew who decide to show up. All of our friends, too, as well, yeah. who, who want to be there and, and hang out and have a good time. It is going to be the be a blast. And Brad Jones, last question of the Knights. What are the chances 61 isn't the Niners' first pick? I reckon it's almost 90% that they move up in the second. He thinks they're coming up, Ant. I, I wouldn't be surprised either. I think if the right player presents itself, the 49ers will move up, use their draft capital to go out and get an impact player because they know there are a couple players away from being able to um, potentially get over the hump of the NFC and get into the Super Bowl. Uh, so I think they would strike in, in that in that type of situation. Also, we don't know what other players they plan on moving in the draft as well to get even more True. draft capital. So this is going to be fun. And yeah, maybe the number 14 Ray Ray McLeod jersey make an appearance. Maybe it can, Ant. Maybe <laughs> it can. Cutback crew. We'll catch you on the next stream. We'll catch you on the next episode. And until that time, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way.